Everybody needs just the right amount of fuel to get going in the morning. For some, a nice McDonald's egg and cheese bagel is just enough to do it. Others might prefer a McDonald's bacon egg and cheese bagel. Or perhaps a sausage egg and cheese bagel. And there are those where nothing will do but a hearty McDonald's steak egg and cheese bagel. Four different breakfast bagels to get you going. Tomorrow morning, give your engine a head start at participating McDonald's. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. fans and welcome to an episode of the AFA podcast, the official podcast for animationforadults.com. My name is Rachel and joining me today for our recording today, at least this in the early spring of 2021, uh, dating this podcast a little bit, um, uh, is Dan. Hi. Hi. And uh, Evan is also back with us today. Hey, Evan. Hi, guys. Hi, Rachel. Hey. hey. It's been a, been a good bit since we recorded last, so we wanted to kind of do a, you know, water cooler roundup check-in since obviously, you know, pandemic is still ranging strong. And, um, you know, even though there is uh, hope on the horizon with a lot of people getting vaccinated um, and, you know, um, but we wanted to kind of take this time to catch up with each other, talk about some of the cool stuff that we've had a chance to, you know, help get us through this tough time. And, you know, and uh, yeah, just, we'll just have a really nice casual convo for you, which you can probably just put on the background while you're cooking dinner or, or just driving, driving to and from work. I know that's what I do with most of my podcasts. So if uh, you were able to give you some measure of enjoyment of us talking about cool animation stuff, whether it be uh, virtual uh, film show uh, video game, what have you, uh, we're, we're here, we're here to talk about it. So uh, hope you enjoy it. Um, so yeah, we're going to have an interesting combination. I've like, I've been mostly like through the course of the pandemic, I've been really kind of relying on uh, the interactive uh, animation medium uh, video games to kind of get me through it. Uh, but I'll, I'll save that for in just a minute. But uh, Dan, do you want to lead us off with uh, something you want to share of what you've been doing lately? I feel like I'm in trouble. Oh, <laughs> trouble in trouble how? I, I, feel, I, I feel like I've been, yeah, asked to present in front of what's, <laughs> you're, you're hinting at something, and I wish I knew what it was. I um, wish, I want to know what it is, too. That's why I put the ball in your court. <laughs> okay, okay. It's really so, my curiosity that's at fault here. Um, well, first of all, I thought that you might have been referring to the fact that uh, me and Evan, like, met for the first time in real life today. God, I was gonna. Oh God, I wasn't sure if you wanted to talk about, it, but yeah, absolutely. We Why had not? a we had I mean, a in, uh, in person meetup for the uh, AFA cast here just yeah, this past week. I believe it's the second transatlantic AFA. Second, meet. yeah, because I know I went. I made um I made the trip to uh to London a couple of years back, and I uh, had a chance to meet Chris uh Chris in person, which was really really great. Plus, I got to visit uh london again for the first time in like forever uh but yeah this 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 is the second one of the uh second uh meetings like i know i've met yvonne um in new york chris in uh canterbury england and then you guys have had a chance to meet uh in in your old neighborhood yeah in my old neighborhood well if you're near st john's wood it's near st john's wood that's what that's technically my old neighborhood not quite let's say north london was your old neighborhood um yeah 
Um, yeah, it was nice. <laughs> yeah, it was. Um, yeah, it was good. Um, yeah, I mean, I mean, like Evans. I don't know how much you want to say, Evan, but like we kind of neighbors now. Like not uh, not next door or anything. Like you live you live like the next town across uh, from me. So uh, mm-hmm. yeah. So the the the, the team's getting uh, getting. Uh, Anyway, getting, getting to we're the, coming together. We're coming honestly, together yeah, from all corners yeah. of the globe. Honestly, honestly, also, like in terms of just it, the, the the thing is, like it, we we met. It was like the most Victorian thing. We just walked around the park and had a conversation, <laughs> and like it was lovely. But it's like at the moment that is like the equivalent of like I don't know something far more exciting than that because of you know, how few and far between, like, social uh, things are, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, at, the, at this particular juncture, yeah. Yeah, um, but don't worry, we saved uh, all the relevant uh, podcast talk for the podcast itself. Um, good to know, good to know. Yeah, video games, I've been playing some video games, right? I've been playing, like, see, the thing, uh, the thing that happened to me, like, after Christmas was, mm-hmm. after Christmas, me and my housemate, um, watched, like, we binged all of uh, The Mandalorian. Right. Oh, my. And I loved how shamelessly it was just escapism. And I kind of told myself, like, you've somewhat been resisting this. Just dive in mm-hmm. and just, you know, spend your time, like, reading uh, the most indulged, you know, like, the most... Um, purely entertaining escapist you know comics video games movies tv shows Mm -hmm. um and that's kind of what i've spent most of like the first half of this year like doing when it comes to like entertain i've been like i've been like playing like old zelda games because um because like the isometric zelda games are like really my like i have a lot of nostalgia for them basically oh yeah absolutely um and I, I, I'll, we'll, we'll get onto that. So, like, I even play video games as well. Um, but because I work in animation, I don't always want to be watching it. True. Strange. Uh, yeah. So, what do you do? Alternative. Too much is a good thing. Believe it or not. <laughs> um, so, I've been catching up only in like the last month on animation, animation. Uh, okay. Like, Fair enough. Uh, you know, like TV and movies and things. Um. So but now cool. that you now that you've opened Pandora's box, now I'm curious how you enjoyed the Mandalorian since you sat through the whole thing. Look, we it was a like the most uh, concentrated binge. One <laughs> evening we started watching season one. Oh my! Then about four o'clock in the morning we finished season one, and then the <laughs> next day we had a lazy day and then about uh-huh. we started season two and we finished season two about four o'clock in, in the morning damn yeah so nice like oh my god i haven't had a binge fest like that in forever mm, it was it was it was you know it was a christmas break thing so uh-huh everyone was very much in kind of in lockdown mode i, I feel like yeah the english version of a Christmas break where everyone just sort of sits around in their pajamas for two weeks. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, practice for lockdown proper. So when the real thing came last last year, it was like, oh, I oh, 
we're pros at this now mm-hmm. <laughs> doing mm-hmm. nothing um uh yeah no i i honestly i love the mandalorian um uh-huh i'm right there with you that's all i gotta say yeah i have reservations about the ending mm. the series was so good that even the fact that in my opinion they kind of crapped up the ending didn't really mm-hmm. spoil the show for me well here's my question to you because a lot of people i know my this happened with my dad after we finished watching the the two seasons of the mandalorian that we have thus far um he became very interested in going back and watching clone wars and for the last like if if i could say in terms of what i'm watching consistently as terms of like just a show or television whatever um most consistently it would be those uh tuesday night sessions i have with my dad where we've been going um not all the episodes of clone wars but like some of like the 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 highlight reel episodes of the show and kind of like picking cherry picking some of the better ones to watch and then once going through those and the including the final season that was released a couple like about a year or so ago um now we've moved on to rebels and we're kind of going through the start we just started the second season of that so and my dad didn't start asking about doing that until after we had finished uh, the second uh, season of the Mandalorian. So I'm, and a lot of people other than him, who I know of who basically like, okay, we love the Mandalorian. There's so much stuff that they've hinted at from Clone Wars and Rebels. What's this all about? And I've gone back to see it since it's all available on the same platform. <clears throat> I'm wondering, how do you feel about that? Um, Where do you stand? Well, I'm a good case study in someone who's like seen it. And I haven't seen the Clone Wars at all, and I still mm-hmm. and there were not obviously there were um moments like the appearance of oh my God, I'm really sure of myself here um, Rosario Dawson's character oh uh Ahsoka Tano. Ahsoka Tano, yeah, I know she's yeah. like an iconic uh thing from a uh, figure from like Clone Wars, mm-hmm. and there was a sense there of like okay, they're playing the music fanfare like I should know who this is, but... Yeah, but you don't have that context. <clears throat> but it wasn't like I felt left out. And I think no. they purposely made it that way. Because it was the same um, showrunner, was it not? Of like... Yeah, Dave Filoni. Dave Filoni. Right, yes, he, was, exactly. he, he directed that episode, which makes sense because he made that character. I mean, he and Lucas both made that character together. He's been kind of like the shepherd of like... Star Wars TV series for a while, right? So pretty much, yeah. pretty much. You know, to be honest with you, I think when Clone Wars first came out, I was snooty about it because mm-hmm. I was a kid. I was like the perfect age for when Gendy Tartakovsky's Clone Wars came out. Oh, and I will never Which I forget is that coming to Disney Plus again soon. It is, and I'm I'm so glad they're doing that as opposed mm. to just writing it off. You know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I watch it every now and again because it's not been available for ages, and I watch it on YouTube, and it's been like edited together as like a movie. And mm-hmm. I, I mean, like I was also like it was also it was also like the time that I was like really getting into drawing, so I was like sketching the characters so much, mm-hmm. and I had a lot of love for that show and what it did. Mm-hmm. I think it was the best version of General Grievous, <laughs> like. You know. Agreed. Bar none. <clears throat> so, <clears throat> um, yeah, so when the Clone Wars, the 3D one came out, I was like, what's this? It's not my Clone Wars. Uh, yeah, um, uh-huh. 
and actually after the man after i watched mandalorian i went back to clone wars and i tried watching episode one and i didn't have the patience really to let it get good um, oh with the episode one of the 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 the, the 3d one the, the one yeah. with yoda and his clones yeah oh but, no you know, yeah I understand that I need to give it a chance and a shot. I mean, I've seen Rebels and I like that. Um, not all of it, but enough. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's how I feel about my, my Mandalorian. I feel that's... like it, it tapped into... Sorry, I am almost done. I promise. That's okay. <laughs> it tapped into um, a kind of feeling that I had. I mean, watching like certain 80s movies, like it had some sense of like, I don't know, like labyrinth or never ending story. And of course, like Return of the Jedi, like mm-hmm. this, this real sort of, what's it going to be around the next corner? Like kind of, you know, um, adventure feeling. And it wasn't getting bogged down in itself and mm-hmm. it seriously. I think that was why I liked it so much because it was quite light on, light on its feet. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that, that show went places, and it, it did a lot of really good... It was able to balance out a lot of really good... Like you said, that really great sense of adventure with great character moments, and sometimes that's really all I need from a, from a television show, whether it's animated or not. And it's so well made, and it's so simply done as well. Like, the, there's a little plot line with, like, two, like, lizard people, and they're, they're, they're sort of, like, um, uh, uh, protecting her... Excellent. Oh, Frog Lady! Yeah, I remember frog her, lady. Frog Lady. And like the little baby odors, like eating the eggs. It was really funny. <laughs> but they don't belabor like setting up those characters. They mm-hmm. just say, like, "Here's a mother with her eggs." You automatically empathize and feel for her, and like that's it. Just you know, it's quite light on its feet in that way. That costume was amazing, by the way. I want to give props to the costume designer who who had to set up that frog costume. Mm. That was amazing. Mm. Mm. Um, yeah, so I'm sorry, Evan. We kind of went on a Star Wars tangent there for a bit. No, this is all interesting. I didn't know that was going to happen. <laughs> I, 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 I haven't seen the 3D series, but I was absolutely married to the uh, 2D, sorry, the 2D yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, spinoff. Um, that was made way back when. I love mm-hmm. that as a kid too. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm right there with both of you guys because I I think case in point, uh, Dan, you said you had that kind of visceral reaction when they were announcing the 3D uh, series, and I admit I was right there with you with you because I was I because I had seen the 2D Clone Wars, Genie Tarkovsky Clone Wars, and then saw like oh what the hell that's 3D that looks at least compared to the 2D looks awful. And, it has dated. There's no yeah. getting around it. But at the and also it's like, <laughs> oh, we're now we're shoehorning Anakin Skywalker getting an apprentice. We don't know. We never knew about. Like this sounds like all kinds of bullshit. Well, um, the, the how- thing about when the Clone Wars first came out as well, it was like literally uh, plugging the gap between Attack mm-hmm. of the Clones and really leading up to Revenge of the Sith. But like, mm-hmm. it was the first time that something had done something like that. And it was way back in like 2004 or 5. Uh, no, it was 2003 Clone Wars. The, the TV show. Yeah. So like it was before everything was everywhere and there wasn't like, you know, Netflix or, or streaming or anything like that. And mm-hmm. if you were a Star Wars kid, like it was really um, 
uh, feeding that, uh, that, that craving for a Star Wars thing. Mm -hmm. So I think Mm -hmm. that has a large part to do with it as well. Yeah. Because I devoured it up because it was like, oh, there's a Star Wars thing. And, you know, like, like I said, like there were not as many Star Wars things because it was all George Lucas's operation then. It was before they were bought by Disney. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um, Yeah, it was like, I'll take any scrap you got. And it was mm-hmm. it was good scraps. So. Oh, they were delicious scraps. Like you said, General Grievous in the two D was amazing, and I love the fact that we got to see that one of the um, uh, nemeses that we see in that show, Ventress. You know, she is present in um, in uh, in the, in the three you know three D show as well. And I love at least when we get those get to those episodes which are focused on her. I like I like what they did with her character. So it's like if you're if you're curious about other episodes, maybe to try and like jump in, uh, maybe find those episodes and see how you like yeah, them. I feel like I might yeah. need a sort of sheet like that someone did for me when I said, oh, I, I want to watch Star Trek Next Generation. And my friend like was like, do you want a cheat sheet for like skip, watch, skip, 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 skip. skip. That's exactly what I did with my dad with Clone yeah. Wars. I swear yeah. to God. Like yeah. when you mentioned the Yoda episode, I'm like, oh, I my dad originally had your mind. Like he was like, "Oh, we're just gonna watch every episode." I'm like, "Dad, no, <laughs> let's not. We'll take A forever, and you're really, especially in the first season, is gonna be all over the place with how you feel, and you're probably gonna stop midway Sometimes through." Sometimes I do that in a bloody-minded way, and I definitely did with Star Trek: Next Generation. And I was like, "No, I'm gonna watch the terrible ones because they made them and they broadcast them in that order," and fine i mean it's a bit it's a redemption story i guess for the show like getting better <laughs> <You know? laughs> like it, it was more satisfying but yeah it's um anyway um enough for the yeah sorry it was just, i just um, I'm, i continue to be fascinated by that topic because especially when it yeah. ties back to the mandalorian because it's, it's such an interesting uh cross multimedia um I mean, obviously, it's still Star Wars, so it's, you know, it's one of those kind of franchises that can pull that off. But the fact that you have stuff introduced, you know, continuing stuff that was introduced in an animated medium uh, evolving and growing over into a live action show, which I thought I continue to find fascinating. But yes, we can move on from this if you should like. (laughs) Well, I want to say one one of the things Star Wars has been an important thing for surviving the pandemic. Uh, a, A little bit, yeah. Because it's also like, I've spoken about this on the podcast before, but like when the pandemic first started, I didn't even want to watch humans uh, yeah. on TV because I was like jealous <laughs> of like <laughs> people running around crowds and going to, you know, scenes shot in bars and things like that. I was like, fuck off. Yeah, it's just like, so, man. So like the first thing I reached for was like Finding Nemo because I was like, mm. what's, the, what's the thing that has characters but is like the furthest possible thing away from <laughs> what reality is like so i don't compare it too much to my reality. yeah and yeah like basically feels that i know evan that's like a no a mind game and a heart to play on myself no 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 uh i mean wasn't there or hasn't there been not wasn't we're still in the pandemic but hasn't there been kind of an uptick not only in the production of animated films and series but also in you know the consumption um so i wonder if you know, this kind of mentality you have, Dan, is shared by a lot of people. Animation, because there's more of a disconnect between reality 
in the animated medium versus, you know, live action and reality, you know, um, it offers some sort of escape, you know. Um, That's very mm-hmm. interesting. And I think there is a lot of truth in that. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah you said it yourself. Um, I feel the same way. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're just yeah. two people, but yeah, yeah. I, I, I'd be curious to know how many people listening have also found themselves turning to, to animation for that escapism. Well, you know, there are certain ones where I do, where it's borderline for me. So have you guys seen City of Ghosts on Netflix? I'm afraid I haven't had the chance to yet. It's on my to-watch list, but I haven't had a chance, you know, to get my way to that. And I'll, and I'll elaborate on why that is later, but but yeah, continue. You hate LA because it's all about... No, it's... um. <laughs> it's it, it, it's it's a really I'm, I know this is like really overused word. It's a really unique show, mm. um, and uh, the best way I can describe it is it's kind of like animated documentary meets the sort of chill out vibes of something like Animal Crossing. Wow! So interesting. The show seems to be about one thing and then it turns into another thing. Um, and it doesn't announce its premise up front. Hmm. At first you think you're watching a sort of, you know, something filmed in the style of a documentary with these kids walking around town saying, oh, I've seen a ghost. Very naturalistic sort of voice acting. And then they find out it's in like a, I'll tell you the first episode. They, they find it, the ghost in a restaurant and the restaurant owner reports the ghost and the ghosts are like Pac-Man ghosts. You know, it's not like a, a gruesome thing. It's like a cute little guy. Mm-hmm. And um, there's an element of like spookiness, a, a slight element of spookiness. You see some, you see some security footage and you're like, oh, whoa, why is that dumpster been knocked over and this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And the kids who sort of have this sort of like um, mystery investigation team thing going on talk to mm-hmm. the restaurant owner, but then it's you you realize that what you're watching is an actual interview, like a documentary interview. So they sort of weave in like documentary with the narrative, mm-hmm. and the restaurant owner starts talking about. I think it's a yeah, it is a Japanese restaurant. And um, the restaurant owner is talking specifically about um, uh, her culture and like the food culture, and also very specifically the the local immigrant culture in that particular uh, LA uh, neighborhood. With uh, you know his, his, um, historically a lot of like Japanese immigrants and that kind of thing, and. Um, it's just like you I've never seen anything like it before because while that's going on, like the scene ends and then there's like a cute bit with the ghost and they talk to the ghost and the ghosts are not really dead people. They're sort of like the spirits of places mm. and specific mm. cultures and um it's it's such a sweet show. And like I was saying, the vibe is very um it's very uh, purposefully uh, patient and measured in in how things play out. Mm. It's not like bam, 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 bam. It's not joke, 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 joke. It's, it's just kind of cool. And it's got this strange sort of feeling where like 
it is for kids, but you don't feel like it's with certain kids your eye for like this, like, oh, this is too young for me. I shouldn't be watching this. Mm. It's got a nice sort of uh, cr- like crossover appeal. And most importantly, it doesn't talk down to the kids who might be watching. So, um, man, I love this. And this is not to mention the fact that it's beautifully designed. And sort of each episode is focuses on um, a specific, uh, like, subculture almost of, of, of the, these L.A. neighborhoods. Um, so it's also very much a documentary in that sense of, like, depicting... Um, you know, a lot of cultures that are not depicted, not even in animation, but like, forget, forget it, like in TV and movies. Um, so yeah, I can't recommend it enough. And I've been rationing it for myself. I've seen like three episodes and I'm like, I could binge this, but I am trying to <laughs> not do that. And I'm trying. I've to had that it. problem. Yeah. I've so had that problem with shows it. that I really love. You're, you're, you're like, you're savoring each and every morsel that you get. Yes, yeah, very much so. Um, yeah, I can't recommend it enough, really. Make sure you have that title one more time. Just make sure we have it. It's called City of Ghosts. City of it's Ghosts. It's on Netflix. So it's well okay, I'll, like I said, I'll have to double check my to-watch list. Make sure I move that up because I, uh, I, I definitely, that everything that you've just spoken, just basically, okay, checkbox marked, checkbox marked, checkbox, okay, all right, I'll boxes are checked that definitely sounds like something i should be involved with an asap yes for um, soul food as it says you been, would yeah it sounds really interesting yeah i think there's been a little bit of a problem with it like appearing on people's netflix uh recommendations you might have to do for it a little bit but i've been waiting for it to come out for a little while mm-hmm. um uh the creator i think she's called elizabeth Ito. Uh, um, made a pilot like a few years ago at um, Cartoon Network which was kind of trying to do a similar thing the show uses like live action photography as well but it sort of mm-hmm. gets enhanced it might remind people a little bit of Gumball but I, it's doing something quite um, uh, uh, yeah Elizabeth Ethel um, okay. Uh, this is the creator, and it's doing something yeah, a little bit different to uh, to, uh, to to gamble in that regard. But it's it's also like a beautiful photography. Anyway, I'm yeah. I talk. I literally talk about this all night. <laughs> well, that that's what I give more give me more motivation to watch it, so that way I can I can watch it and catch up with where you're at, and then we can have a more in depth discussion about it. That sounds like a lot of fun. Yeah, same. I think, I mean, I, I haven't seen the series, but um, I have seen animated uh, films, at least, like no series I can think of that integrate live action footage um, or archival footage, um, mm-hmm. depending on the nature of the film with animation. And time and again, um, there's some sort of artistic intent there um, in both cases. So all mm-hmm. of those films have been phenomenal. Um, I think that alone is reason to watch it. I'd be interested to see um, how the photography is used intentionally and how the mm-hmm. animation is used intentionally to, to convey, you know, like certain ideas. 
That's a really broad statement because I haven't seen the series, but that sounds really cool, Dan. Thanks yeah, no, 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 it's interesting you mentioning that because it's very, in some ways, it lets you discover the, what it's doing. There's nothing dishonest in the way that it is fudging the truth. Mm. It's very clear about this is reality, this is the historical, you know, um, makeup of the city you know, particularly with uh, a lot of immigrant cultures. Um, uh, but yeah, but it, but it, it bends reality in the best way, you know, in, in, in the way that most documentaries do. I've just never seen, I feel like I have seen animated documentaries before, but there is sometimes a little bit more of a... Um, a feeling of you know because usually the topics are are quite heavy um, yeah. mm-hmm. to take things very seriously and not fudge the truth at all in this case i feel like it's in some ways more honest for them to reinterpret things anyway hmm. anyway anyway yeah. someone else please <laughs> well evan how about we go to you because we did say mention a little bit off the air that there was a film that you were uh that you watched recently in kind of preparation for a possible interview that uh was sounded really cool like you said it was like um a kind of like star trek star wars kind of like parody kind of going off our star wars discussion earlier yeah, like, oh, yeah. let's, let's, what, what kind of parody was this i'm glad it's relevant like i, I had no clue that dan was going to talk about clone wars at the mandalorian but um no it, it's semi-instigated by me that's all really good though um so I'm, I'm glad there's some sort of overlap there it gives me more assurance bringing this up like oh yeah yeah it's it's relevant but uh yeah um it, it's not a film it's um it's a series by a comedian named olin rogers called final space um okay. and i'm sure there are probably some people listening in who uh are fans of the show um because as i understand it is quite popular um it's just started its third season i think last week um oh, great yeah, I'm I'm only uh, about a third of the way through season two, so I'm not as well versed as uh, some other folks might be. But it's really cute. Um, so I, I guess um, it started out as a, just a short YouTube film. Olin Rogers was a big Star Trek, like Star Wars fan, and um, made this parody video that I think eventually got the attention of Conan O'Brien. Um, mm-hmm. One thing led to another. Eventually, Olin Rogers, you know, finds himself. I forget if he was the showrunner or if he just kind of had creative oversight, but mm-hmm. he had a series commission um, and it's uh, streaming on Netflix and the UK, um, possibly Hulu or Netflix. I'm not sure in the States it's been an adult swim and it's really cute. Um, yeah. I don't need to like, I, I, I don't want to bore people by going through the whole plot, but basically it's this uh, little character named Gary Goodspeed and his friends uh, traversing That's such a cute galaxy. Name. Yeah, good speed, right? Um, it, it, I mean, even the name sounds endearing. Um, and he's just this precious character, kind of hyper-masculine, but very naive and well-meaning. Um, kind of wants to be the cool guy so he can impress his crush, um, who's like on his crew and, you know, just be tough. But he's a big old softy. And um, I think that's really kind of what what makes the uh, the story such a fun watch. Um it's 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 not crass like animated comedy tends to be sometimes it doesn't mm-hmm. exploit um i guess like our baser sense of humor by falling back on sex jokes and um you know using foul language um it's very pure hearted um 
And I, I think that's what's like super cute about it. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, like adults will love it because they'll catch all the references to Star Trek and Star Wars. But I could also see like, you know, uh, a preteen, um, you know, um, being able to see this and um, just kind of falling in love with the characters um, and how they mm -hmm. interact. So, yeah, um, that that's probably about as much as I can say. I don't know. I, I, I am, like I said, I've only gotten through one full season. Um but uh, it's really precious. Yeah. So let me let me ask a little bit of a question. Obviously, trying to avoid spoiling spoiling sure. things if we can. Um, is it one of those kind of like comedies where it basically is it just straight comedy all the time, or is it like have a good balance between comedy and actual drama? Because I know some some uh, shows uh, that toe that comedy line, they basically will occasionally dip into drama. Like um, case in point, I know we've talked about. Um, star trek lower decks on this podcast before and mm -hmm. you know while pretty much most of that show is just you know a almost like a ton of comedy there are those genuine like character moments or dips into some some character drama with the, the main cast and does yeah. this do that as well definitely yeah and i, I haven't seen lower decks forgive me because that's okay that's all right the the aesthetic um, not to say Olin borrowed from Lower Decks or anything, but the aesthetic of Final Space is very similar to to Lower Decks, and um, there is a lot of drama, which I I think makes the series more enjoyable because you find yourself getting attached to these characters. Mm -hmm. People die, and I'm not going to say who, but when it happens, it is really sad because you you feel the loss. Um, um, and I think at the end of the day, that just kind of like adds to the emotional impetus of the show. You know, you're laughing mm -hmm. one second and crying the next. Um, and um, yeah, it's, it's, it's not something you'd easily forget, you know? Good. That's, I, I like, I, I find myself when I do decide to really kind of, you know, dip into certain aspects, certain comedy shows, I really appreciate when they dare to basically say, okay, we are going to do some, character drama here because it's relevant to making these characters you know three-dimensional obviously not you know to the point where you feel like you're watching a completely different show mind but at the same time just saying oh no okay this is still the same world actions still have consequences whether they're um used for com comedic purposes or serious purposes yeah. there's an organic and i'm, I'm saying this unofficially this isn't you know, some sort of connection that, that Owen's made or, or anyone else on the show. It's just the way that I, as a fan, am reading into it. But there's this kind of organic um, dimension to the relationship, um, like like between the characters in the show. Olin Rogers mm -hmm. voices the main character, Gary. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. Um, Gary's best friend in the show is also voiced by Olin's best friend. Um, oh, that's I amazing. Mean, yeah, yeah. Um, and if you watch the show, you know, I mean, I, again, I don't want to give away any spoilers, but there. what happens to those two characters and how their relationship is evolved, um, I think hits you so hard because um, the relationship is real at the end of the day, right? You know, these are actually two guys who care about each other off the screen and on screen when they're in character. So mm -hmm. I really appreciated that. Yeah. Love, love that organic acting, man. Yeah. That's that's really good to see that, especially with uh, with with television. Um, yeah. Oh man, okay. But, but it's also it sounds like it's a pretty um, a relatively recent thing where uh, uh, a, a, an animated show is allowed to have a continuing narrative. 
um, and usually, I mean, like shows like The Simpsons had like that mm-hmm. in the nineties, particularly mm. like you know charging the stories with real emotions a lot of the time, and, and um, in some ways like having the guts to not be funny in certain moments, yeah, mm-hmm. um, or, or or not feel the need to always uh, have that time. Um, uh, it's a relatively recent thing that being able to do that over a continuing story because of yeah the way that we watch TV now, I guess, and and you know how everything ends up streaming eventually. People go click episode one, start episode one because of course why wouldn't I? It's not like yeah yeah it's what what what's the word? It's uh it's serialized content, I right? Always, like I the, always get it yeah. completely mix up with what I call monster of the week and yeah which is which yeah you got episodic like your your basic kind of like uh generic like I would say your generic sitcom kind of like uh and I only mentioned the sitcom thing because I uh I I was watching uh WandaVision earlier this year um (laughs) but um but yeah where you basically would have episodes which you know more or less aren't tied to much of anything but then you have you know okay maybe even if it does that kind of have that general flavor a lot well i think we talked about this before a lot more especially like animation uh kids kids cartoons for cartoon network disney um they've all been kind of adapting like more of a you know stories within an episode but they still connect to an overarching uh narrative or character um and one one example which i saw the finale to recently, um, which, you know, broke my heart that it was ending, but you know what, B- better to end on a strong note as opposed to sputtering out. Um, and that was uh, the remake of the Disney's DuckTales cartoon that uh, oh, yeah. they had their last episode uh, a couple, about a week or so ago. Wow. And uh, it, it ended on a very, very strong note. I am like I said, like I said, I'm, it's kind of bittersweet because I'm sad to be seeing it leave. But at the same time, it's just like, okay, for what you guys set out to do, I'm glad you did this. And there's even, you know, some hope on the horizon that we'll still see these creators do more things because they've laid the groundwork for doing like a new spin on Darkwing Duck because those characters do feature in um, in this latest season of DuckTales where we get to see the new Darkwing Duck Launchpad kind of teaming up with him and uh, the character, the the younger girl character that they have, uh, Goslin, made her appearance in this later season, which is like, okay, they've they've laid the groundwork. It's there. It's ready to go for whenever they're like, okay, Disney wants to press the, the green light and say, okay, you go, Darkwing Duck, go. Do they also get into uh, Tailspin? They I did, that's, actually. That's there like was a big there... thing that's missing from Disney Plus, and it's like, mm. Are Disney pretending that doesn't exist, or are they? No, no. At least as far as um, as far as this show went, like I'll try to be light on you know. Suppose we do see characters, a couple different characters that were featured from Tailspin, uh, make their appearance in in the new the newer Ducktales uh, cartoon. First, it's one of their primary antagonists who makes an appearance earlier on in the uh, like one of the first seasons, and then we actually got to see one of the main characters um from the uh from tailspin actually show up as a much older character uh in uh in in the latest season the latest and last season 
which is it's like I said, it's, I'm still having a hard time saying that because it's like I didn't want it to be over. <laughs> it's such a good show. It's like like there has rarely ever been an episode of that show that hasn't either made me laugh, cry, just have a ball of a time. That's another one that I'm saving because I was enjoying season one so much. I was like, I don't want to. I don't want to burn through this because I was. And they to- haven't added season three to Disney Plus yet. It's on a different, different thing. It's on like one of their like Disney XD like online servers, whatever. They have yet they're to add so, it. To- they're so cute with that stuff. I, I, I mean, like, come should- on, guys. They've, I didn't know they had another platform. What's this Disney XD thing? I don't know. It's like Disney Play or something. I they basically before Disney Plus they had a. Uh, like a mini catch-up service for yeah. uh, uh, shows on Disney Channel and Disney XD. Huh. Uh, and I think that's usually it's tied to having a cable subscription. Yeah. So th- th- that's probably some boring, you know, legal contracts uh, agreement reason with like cable companies why they still have first dibs on, on that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. Yeah, it's weird. Disney Plus is strange because I, I guess as a consumer, you kind of expect it to be, oh well, if Disney made it, then it's going to be on Disney Plus. But no, they're they're really like being coy with keeping a lot of things in their vault still. Mm-hmm. They really are. But I will say, like of all the things that you know, with all the coyness and. They still have, you know, there's still some really good, like, um, the fact that I have access to the most of the content, like, especially with the, of the earlier two seasons of DuckTales at all, without having to make sure I, like, record things furiously on a DVR or, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you said, having to go to that, um, that other service, it's a, it is pretty darn good. And mm-hmm. I will make the thing, one of the other things I would appreciate about that finale is they made, they made references to so many other Disney afternoon shows, like, uh, rescue rangers gummy mm. bears um like you name it they made a reference to it even one that i never thought was actually going to get referenced bonkers i don't know if that was one but i swear to goodness there was um i don't know how familiar you guys you are with uh the gargoyles cartoon that oh. came out on disney plus they played the gargoyle theme to a joke there was a, there was a joke revolving, then they had the, like the 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 theme was part of the joke, and I'm like, oh my god! And then the thing that said character was voiced by Keith David, aka Goliath from the original cartoon. I'm like, wow, that that show is like a distant memory to me, but I <sighs> I remember it like as a kid. It was kind of kind of dark, wasn't it? It was it was bat- basically the Batman the animated series in terms of its kind of like darker tones, but still yeah. being pre- uh, you know good for kids to watch um, yeah. for Disney at the time. Which and again, the, I have plenty of gripes with Disney Plus, but the fact that I can watch Gargoyles the whole show legally for the first time ever, yeah. I'm like, all is forgiven. <laughs> that's probably very shallow of me to say that but i'm like i effing love this show and the fact that i don't have to try and look up to uh, like youtube torrents or whatever to just find episodes that i love like i'm happy i'm i'm good i didn't know it was on there 
I it do is, not have a is. Disney Plus subscription, but I will probably be signing up if only for the sake of seeing that. <gasps> yes, yes. Like um, I like basically, okay. All of the Disney, most of the Disney library plus new films. Like, okay, that's something else. Like, okay, shows like The Mandalorian. Mm, okay, that's, you know, I'm feeling a little bit more like that might be worth the money. Oh, you can watch Gargoyles legally. Sign me up. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh. And I so, will let you touch. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Dan. No, no, no. I thought. Sorry, carry on. Sorry. I did want to make a slight, like, uh, a, a, a nod, um, because we talked a little bit this off the air, that um, we could probably go, well, I want to save this for its own, like, episode later on this year when it's uh, finally released for free on Disney+. Plus. Um, but both Dan and I have had an opportunity to see uh, Raya and the Last Dragon, and uh, uh, if you could give me a Roger Ebert and uh, a Siskel... Uh, you know, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Uh, Dan, where would you where would you stand at this point? I don't know because I literally saw it this afternoon. And I okay, like fair enough. <laughs> yeah, you got to sit with it a bit more. I would say it's on uh, a thumbs up. Yeah, uh, I wholeheartedly agree. I'm, I'm. If you're if you're just the solid one thumbs up, I'm just like on the other side of that extreme where I'm like Hades in uh in Hercules in Disney's Hercules where I've got the two flaming fingers too. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There, there, I mean, there are a couple of things maybe story wise that were personal bugbears that they went for, and I was like, okay, they did that and they did that. Okay, that I can the film is good enough that I can like forgive it, but. Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I guess we'll get into that maybe at some point, but um, I enjoyed it, and it was, um, you know, commendably something pretty different for Disney. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel a thing like Frozen. Yeah, it didn't no. Feel a thing like, uh, you know, any of their recent movies actually. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I, uh, I. Yeah, I don't. I don't want to spoil too much. Yeah, I, I would that say that it's a film that I would say probably don't invest in the the premiere access if unless you know you've got like a large group of people or a, you know within your own family or your own um, your own like pandemic bubble who also want to see it. Like, and I think that's one of the reasons why you said you um, you knuckled you you decided to sit down and watch it, Dan, because you wanted to be because you weren't the only going to be the only one who was going to enjoy it. Yeah, who's going to be able to get used to it? I yeah, think yeah. I think that's the thing with actually. I mean, this is something that did come up earlier. Uh huh. We mean it was like it's it's hard as uh, individual consumer. Oh God, is is individual consumer sometimes to um, reckon with the, the the intended costs and perceived value of uh, things that appear. Um, as like premium uh, uh, VOD things, mm-hmm. um, and I think the thing to remember is that mostly, like particularly a Disney thing or like a kids movie, like uh, I guess the big one last year was Trolls Two. Mm. Sounds like a lot of money, but in, in relative terms of like take, taking a whole family out to the movies, it's it's a saving. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, it, it is definitely it is 
it is interesting. I've noticed that Disney are giving their own Disney Animation Studios movies premiere access, but Pixar movies are not because uh, Soul yes. was going was included in um, the Disney Plus subscription with no premiere access required. Mm-hmm. And their, their next movie, uh, Luca, is not going to require premiere access. Huh. Fascinating. It is summer. interesting. Um, and it's just going to go straight to Disney Plus. I would love to hear the story about why that is. I am sure it is some nasty little political. Mm-hmm. Because that's certainly a, it's. It, let's say it feels like a choice. Mm-hmm. No, um, I I agree with you there. And uh, yeah. Anyway, I don't want to speak too much about right actually because also is something that is quite expensive to watch at the moment and yeah yeah you know, it's something that not a lot of people first of all you have to have access to disney plus then you have yeah. to want to or be able to afford to spend you know 20 pounds or 30 dollars whatever it is on exactly on, like even though the subscription for disney plus compared to some other streaming services like hbo max which i have access to is still pretty low compared to some others, you know, like the HBO still, like you said, that's still, um, that's a monthly expense coming out of your pocket on top of like, okay, is this one film worthy of that extra $30 to, uh, that's something about that doesn't sit right with me. Yeah. I gotta say like the fact that if it was going to be in cinemas, it would be, I don't know how much the cinema ticket is in America. Maybe 10 bucks. 10 bucks, yeah, like 10, maybe pushing 11 bucks a ticket. Get ready for a shock, Evan, when cinema's open again. (laughs) Oh, they're more expensive. It's more like like at least 15 pounds. Um, uh, But either way, it's less exclusive Mm -hmm. in, in many ways as well. And I think that's a strange... Yeah, unnecessary. I hope it's a. I hope it's a temporary thing, basically. Anyway. Yeah. Raya, uh, Rach, done. The, which one are you? Um, I'm the two thumbs way way up. I think I, I like you said all the different things that this movie did compared to most other Disney films. I think that was the thing I appreciated the most about it. Um, mm. But then the aesthetic, um, for sure, is again being an Avatar: the Last Airbender fan, and that this setting took a lot of similar inspiration in terms of its setting and designs um, was also a big plus for me. But again, I we think can... I can, can, I can... I Sorry, I need to stop you there. Yeah, go for it. I think we have to be very careful about how we talk about this stuff because I have seen a lot of discussion about this on the internet. Uh, I think it's very much worth um, uh, seeing these this thing in the context of um, what cultures and how cultures, different cultures, get exposure in mainstream media. There, yeah. People might point to something that is the most familiar, uh, similar thing, mm-hmm. such as Avatar, and go, oh, I'm getting Avatar from this, because it's, to, to use a really posh term, it's the equivalent of like convergent evolution. There are, okay. certain, there are certain animals in nature that end up looking similar, but actually uh-huh. come there from very different uh, uh, lineages and 
okay. solve problems in similar ways. Mm-hmm. Let's say, I think, um, I'm actually in, 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 uh, in a um, position of some benefit and I haven't actually, I'm not familiar at all with how to solve a set ender. Mm. So I watch Raya as like, oh, it's, uh, you know, it's its own thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I've seen a lot of discussion on the internet, like particularly this week with um, um, you know, Southeast Asian uh, people, um, uh, critics and, uh, and just writers in general um, saying mm-hmm. understands like what is really happening here and mm-hmm. don't um, be careful not to um, uh, make the mistake of thinking, oh, they're doing their avatar. When no, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, not what gonna, that's. It's gonna. It might seem like that, but in actual fact, it's. Um, I mean, I've. I have. Heard, I'm only reporting stuff. I have heard that Raya has uh, quite a. Um, uh, sorry, I'm trying to find my words here. You know, quite a. Um, seriously considered and and um sensitive uh approach to you know a cultural sort of yeah the culture it's depicting a cultural sort of collage of of southeast asian cultures because mm-hmm. it's, it's a it, it's i think the the marketing's been quite upfront that it is a collage of a few southeast mm-hmm. asian cultures um but it is built from those cultures and it has racially, um, you know, the racially, the, the makeup of the staff of the film, I think reflects mm-hmm. that. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that needs to do it right because, I mean, okay, if you want to talk, Avatar was created by two white guys. Yeah, yeah. And no, I that's think, no, that's I no. Think there, yeah. are, there are certain very complicated feelings that a lot of Southeast Asian um, fans have uh with that fair enough you know absolutely whether it's their culture to represent and play around with or not exactly yeah anyway sorry i get that no no yeah and i probably i've noticed that it has become quite an issue online yeah it is something that i am not qualified to talk about and uh you know um Hmm. uh and I probably phrased myself the wrong way too, um, because, you know, like you said, the, you know, Avatar was made by two white guys as opposed to this film where they definitely had a lot more people who were of that particular culture or descent um, be involved with the film's creation, which is really, really awesome. And I think part of the reason why I am, why I was drawn to Avatar and this movie for those, for, specific reasons it wasn't it was the idea that you both are very are different very different interpretations of the lore of that culture the martial arts of those cultures um you know you know again i'm kind of like a hodgepodge or just like a um or maybe that's not the right word to use um just like a a mixture or collection of not not necessarily defining one thing but just saying like okay this is from this place this is from that place um you know, I think always, always with these conversations, the elephant in the room for me is the fact that Disney is not a little outfit. 
It's mm. it is it is a it's like the biggest, it's a Goliath. It's it's, it's the huge. biggest corporation in the world, and you know you can look at it cynically and talk about whether they were making a calculated decision, you know, a calculated uh, cynical decision, and saying, "Oh, we want one of those," mm-hmm. you know, kind of. And I think you know, like it's who knows if that was there, if that ever came up. Mm-hmm. But yeah, anyway. Yeah, I just, the reason why I wanted to make sure I, like, I made it clear in terms of, like you said, it's not just because that it reminds me of After All That So Airbender that I like no, it. No, I to go, to, more, to be more specific, it's the fact that it is representing or showing off uh, aspects of a culture that I find absolutely, utterly fascinating and want to learn more about. I would love to experience mm-hmm. for myself one day if I ever get the ability to travel again. And, I mean, I've and got to be honest, go to those places. Yeah, I've got to be honest. Watching Raya was a unique because you're like, I don't think I have ever seen anything anywhere that looks quite like this in a movie before, like mm-hmm. an animated movie. Um, and there's a there's there's like this um, a sense sometimes you can get from things that they are dealing with uh, a specific reference to a culture. And some things about the movie are so they they have an area specificity specificity about them that um, feels authentic. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, I would like to stop talking about this. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I think your favorite things feel made for you. Your education should too. University of Maryland Global Campus, formerly University of Maryland University College, was made to serve the military and working adults like you. Today, we continue that tradition by offering frequent start dates so you can get started with convenient online learning that fits your schedule, by recognizing your accomplishments with credits you can earn for what you know, by providing no-cost online resources replacing most textbooks because a college education can fit your budget too, and with no SAT or GRE required for most programs. University of Maryland Global Campus, made for you. Last year, we awarded more than $15 million in scholarships to qualified students, including community college students, service members, veterans, and working adults just like you. Discover how we can make your education and your goals for the future a reality. Visit us at umgc.edu. That's umgc.edu. Certified to operate in Virginia by Chev. And by the way, I didn't mean to imply that you were intending to do what you would i just wanted to say for the audience like i understand it's been an issue that i have seen people talk about yeah no absolutely i'm glad you brought that to light too because that's unfortunately have i haven't had chance to come across those things but i like the fact that you're 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 keeping you're keeping things as always you're keeping things in perspective which i appreciate after these messages Nights New York monthly screening events are now available online. Sign up for the Annie mailing list for up-to-date information on how to watch programs of in-competition animated short films from all around the world. Meet us in the VR Annie virtual event space for mixer events throughout the day. For more information, visit anny.nyc. Let's watch films together. And we're back. 
Um, yeah. So kind of picking up a little bit uh, at that, at that last hint there, um, I wanted to talk about a specific, you know, um, because obviously uh, I will elaborate on something I said earlier, because um, while I have, as I mentioned in our previous area, I've been watching a few things, you know, DuckTales, Raya, you know, and a bunch of other stuff in between. Over the course of the pandemic, I find it interesting that of all the things that, you know, I've been kind of leaning to as my kind of like coping mechanism, it's either been one of two things, one of two things. Drawing, which I've been continuing to, you know, continue to practice, you know, my drawing skills and, you know, finally learning animation. Um, But I have been playing so many different video games. Like I have, I probably like within like count on 10 fingers, like 10 different video games I've played over the last year. Um, And, you know, not all of them were of the same quality, but at the same, but there are still uh, aspects of those games that I find like that really kind of in a way like you know have provided that not like escapism or kind of you know kind of a break from the you know difficult reality that we all have to face right now uh but one of the games that i played this year um like probably kind of like this just started um just around christmas time and i'm still playing right now i'm probably it's probably gonna be forever until i actually get any close anywhere close to beating it but it has such a unique system that I think is kind of really kind of uh, been therapeutic for me over the, especially over the, the beginning of 2021 and kind of like the, the shit start that it, you know, it had at the beginning where 2020 was like, I'm not letting go just yet. Um, and this is a game made by, um, they're a game development studio called Supergiant Games. I'm not sure if you're familiar with anything that they've made. But they've made games uh, that have been very unique, very, um, very different. Uh, there's, uh, I'll lift off some of the names of some of their games. There's uh, Bastion, which is kind of like a third, a third person, like, like down, uh, top down uh, shooter kind of thing. Or at least kind of like an adventure game, um, which has a really, really cool, like, um, narrate, like narration uh narrator to the story and as they character as you play through the different levels um then there's transistor which is kind of like a strategic uh melee game um then there was pyre which the best i can call it it was like a basketball sports game meets fantasy uh purgatory uh mixed with an rpg nice like no like the one consistent thing you can see across all of these games, amazing soundtracks, really unique visual designs, and um, fantastic voiceover work. Like, there's, um, like, even other, like, when I remember back in, um, like, way back when I was last at the last Oticon, and I was interviewing some of the voice actors there, um, I remember I got uh, talking with one of them about some of the, like, you know, voice acting in video games. Like, oh, what's, like, something that really jumped out at you? It's like, oh, I love Transistor. And he would like he would make a mention of how amazing the, the acting in that was. Um, the game that I am currently playing um, is basically a they call it the particular term that they call is a rogue like game, which um, and the game's called Hades. Which the premise of it is, um, if you haven't heard of it, is that you are the son of the Greek god Hades. And you are in the underworld. And um, the, the character's name is uh, Zagreus is the, the son of Hades. And he is determined to go through all the levels of Hades, um, the you know the underworld, and escape and get to the surface. Um, but of course, his father Hades, you know, thinks it's impossible and is basically saying, "Okay, you're going to have to get through 
all of the different challenges and dangers of the underworld on your own and find your, you know, meet other obstacles of resistance. And you're going to die a lot. That That's the kind of thing that this game is based on is that you'll go through these different areas of different levels of the underworld, you know, start, you start at Tartarus and then you keep going up and up until you're supposed to get to the, um, the exit of the underworld. But the funny thing is, is that you cannot heal, you cannot actively heal yourself when you're, you know, when you're fighting things that are trying to stop you. Um, and once your HP bar hits zero, you will die and you will have to go back to the beginning. You know, on paper, that sounds like my least favorite type of game because it feels like, okay, I'm making zero progress. And that's kind of like been a sticking point with games like that have a high difficulty. It sounds like a Genesis game. It sounds like uh, Lion King. In a way, in a way, yeah. But here's the fun thing, though. Here's what separates it from those things that are just meant to just just frustrate, build frustrations like, oh, I'm never beating this game rage quit, throw away the controller. Um, what makes this game unique is that in, in, two, in two, two particular um, aspects, um, when you do get set back to the beginning, the story continues. The story is expecting you to have these moments where you're going to fail, um, but it is asking you to say, okay, this, things are still progressing. You're still, this is supposed to happen. Keep going, keep trying and moving forward. Um, you'll have better luck. Maybe you'll have better luck on the next run because the second aspect of what makes the game unique is that through the course of trying to escape these different levels of the underworld, the other members of the Greek pantheon are sending you these things called boons. Basically they are in Zagreus's corners. Like, Hey, you know, you know, Poseidon and Zeus are like, Hey, our, our nephew, come on, join us on Olympus. We'll have a great time. And so if you take my boon, I'll your sword or whatever your weapon you're wielding, whether it's a bow and arrow or a sword, um, when you slice into enemies, will give an extra electric damage. Or Poseidon will basically elect, let you uh, tidal wave surf around a battlefield or whatnot. And depending on which uh, gods you take the boons of, can add you know different bonuses and um, you know different effects that can increase your chances of you know like getting through the area is a lot faster. But what's really cool is that depending on how you play, when you take a, take another run through the, uh, the underworld, depending on which gods are giving you which boons, you can combine them together in unique ways so that either certain effects are balancing each other out or really kind of dealing a lot of damage. Um, and, the, and therefore, I guess the benefit would be that you're running through, say, the earlier levels with a lot more ease because you're like, it's not exactly. the same level of difficulty yeah. because your power-ups are aiding you. Exactly. And depending on, you know, every, and every time it's, like <clears> I said, every time it's different because the story is progressive because every time you get killed, you get sent back to kind of um, Hades's uh, home mansion or whatever. And um, you'll see different interactions with characters or um, the characters who live there will say different things like, um, the god of sleep, Hypnos, will be like, "Oh hell yeah, you oh heck yeah, you got uh, you got killed by such and such enemy. Those guys are annoying." Or um, you'll have a conversation between um, Hades and his son, or Hades and uh, the god, the goddess Nyx, who are some of the residents there. Or 
heck, one of my favorite instances when you uh, defeat one of like the mid area bosses, who's actually one of the characters is a, you know, a character uh, named Megara. She's one of the Furies. After you beat her the first time and you go a little bit further and you do get killed and sent back, she's just there in the lounge just saying like, going to get you next time. (laughs) Rachel, can I just say real quick, um, this sounds like an awesome game, but I absolutely love the premise. It's it's basically a kid whose dad won't let him out of the house and all the exactly. crazy relatives are trying to help. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's hilarious. It, I um I know people who play it. I've not yet got lost in it yet. Um it, it's really easy to do, let me tell you. And like I said, <clears throat> I this on paper, this was like every kind of game I would I absolutely despise in terms of like I don't like that's why I had trouble with Dark Souls games like Dark Souls because mm. you know you know, when you don't, when you can't progress past a certain area because the enemies are so difficult, you know, it's just, it be, really feels like you're banging your head against a wall or like a really challenging platformer where you just keep missing, like you just barely missed the one, the, the exact timing of the jump button, then you plummet to your death and then you have to start all over again. It's just like, oh, those kind of games frustrate me so much because, I mean, to be fair, I am not while I do enjoy video games, I am not what they call a very good gamer. It takes me a while to get used to mechanics and controls and I will make a lot of mistakes. Um, But I'm just here for the experience. I'm not here to be a pro gamer. I'm here to enjoy the, the experience that this game is bringing to me. And that's something that I really appreciate that the people, at least who developed this game understood that when they're like, okay, we're going to do something different compared to what most people would expect from this particular type of video game yeah 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 and it's i i think like uh, you know i know a few people who play it and the the way they talk about it is like it's a soap opera like the the storytelling <laughs> is like it is. integral to the experience i think of playing it right uh-huh like, well yeah because like the like gameplay hobby- the, the, the 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 gameplay mechanics of themselves is like not, not even half of why it's fun to play. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, because you're interacting with all of these different characters. Um, like you'll like uh, not just including the Greek pantheon themselves, which are very have very interesting designs, visual designs, and I highly recommend that you look up and see what some of them look like because they're fantastic. Um, but then you also encounter other people who are taking residency on the underworld, like Sisyphus and, uh, um, God, what's his name? Uh, Orpheus. Uh, and, um, you know, the, this poor bard who his, uh, his nymph love is also trapped there in the underworld and they can't see each other, but they still play music together. Um, and of course, and one of my favorite things that they added later on, you can pet Cerberus because Cerberus, the three-headed dog, he's just hanging out right next to uh, to Hades, who's just doing paperwork at his desk for, you know, underworld, you know, clergy matters. And and you basically have the option to basically go up to Cerberus and say, like, you're such a good boy. And every time like you'll hit, you'll get like a snide comment from from Hades, like you're spoiling the dog again. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, is it um, what was Cerberus? Cerberus was kind of like the 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 gatekeeper, right, to the underworld. Yeah, right? he the the, yeah. the gatekeeper to the underworld. But so, um, 
I guess that's kind of a, a loophole then for, for this character, right? Because he's not trying to get in. He's trying to leave. Is that exactly well, here's a great job thing. description? <laughs> yeah, I will share really quickly. I mean, this is light spoilers for the game. So just, you know, take that as you will. But there is a point when you get to a certain threshold in your run, um, especially your, your initial run, where you do get to the point where Cerberus is normally there to guard people from coming into the underworld. And it's expected that he's supposed to be like, oh, no, he's the next threshold boss I have to get through in order to get to the next place. He doesn't want to fight you, though. And he doesn't. They basically both agree. He's like, nah, we're not going to do this. <laughs> we're gonna, just because Hades says so, we're not going to do that. Dang. <laughs> no animal abuse here. <laughs> Oh, it's so good. And like, and much like many of the other uh, super giant games, the voice acting is just top notch. I, I love it. And the inclusion of the narrator too is um, a, a running theme that they always have a really like, it's not just, they, it's, it's so much character to the narrator in terms of their perspective on the story. Like this narrator is very much kind of like a- Oh, it's judgy. That judgy, aren't they? The, mostly yeah they're because they're characters the, the 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 narrators are their in are their own characters more or less um like the narrator in bastion was like this old man who basically uh hangs out at this campsite with the main character that you play in that game um the transistor the narrator is literally your sentient sword which you're taking with you through this like cyberpunks um like uh, cityscape um, and then what was the narrator for the uh, pyre? Oh, basically, like I said, purgatory, right? The That narrator is basically like the voice of purgatory, basically saying, you all are a bunch of shits. You're never going to get out of here. You're going to do your little trial and try to get out, but you're going to suck. I enjoy watching you struggle. I love those kind of characters in video games. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's it's... Yeah, like I pick or choose whichever one feels like the like more your your speed or your style, but you can't go wrong with any one of them, in my opinion. But with any one of the super giant games, any one of the super giant yeah. games, they're all wonderful in their own ways. But Hades, in particular, I think um, I experienced at just the right time, and if it was released right around the right time, I think for a lot of people mm-hmm. because of that kind of way where you do have those moments where you can fail, but it. And it doesn't necessarily hand, you know, it's not like hand holding through the whole experience. It's expecting you to get creative, you know, mm-hmm. learn from your mistakes, get creative and try to overcome those problems. And even if that's not, you know, the solution is not immediately evident, you just have to get back up and try again, yeah. which, you know, 2020 has been a lot of things, but it's definitely, at least in my opinion, has been the epitome of, okay, you got knocked down, time to get back up. Time to wonder, mate. Yeah. So that that was the main thing I wanted that, that to share might, with you guys. <laughs> I think uh, Chris would have gone, but that might. Um, <laughs> excellent. Video games is an interesting one for me. I really want to play Hades. Actually, I did try playing it, and I was bad at it. And mm, I died. Mm-hmm. I wasn't just bad, and I died. So am I. I I'm, I'm still it. bad at it. And I think I felt intimidated because my housemate's very good at mm-hmm. it. Um, and uh, anyway, so um, I've been playing like old Zelda games. That is like my mm. 
you know, like talking about like soul food, like mm-hmm. playing old isometric Zelda games. I played actually I played the remake of Link's Awakening. Oh my god. Oh so good. Just perfect for me. It was like I love, you know, isometric top down Zelda anyway. Oh yeah. And I hadn't played this game for a few years, so I'd luckily forgotten quite a few elements of it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like a brilliant remake, like really beautifully done. And it was just nice to just get lost in that. I really loved that. Um, yeah. Actually, like it led to me like buying a Game Boy SP. <laughs> Game Boy SP. <laughs> and from eBay, I bought like old Zelda games. And I've been playing uh-huh. Uh, Link to the Past and Minish Cap. Oh, well. good shit. I've fully unapologetically gone back into Nostalgia Town because I have a lot of nostalgia for those games. Yeah, um, and I do look forward to maybe maybe going in more in depth on Zelda specifically. I know my brother's interested in maybe having like since there Zelda is having an anniversary this year, so that might be that might be on the table for us to talk about later. Oh, but yeah, cool. well, I'll save it. Um animation wise, I there are two more things I want to talk about. Um first one very quickly. Yeah, sure. Pui Pui Molkar. Pui, I, I make sure I heard that right. Pui Pui Molkar. Molkar. Yeah. M O L C A R. So huh. it's um, it's a it's a, a stop motion anime series. Huh. Um, called Pui Pui Molkar. <laughs> oh, it's on Netflix. Um, it's on Netflix in the UK. I know that much. Mm-hmm. I think it might also be in the US. Um, no, it, yes, it is. It's on Netflix everywhere except Japan and some um, uh, Southeast Asian countries. Um, anyway, it's just a really cute, weird show. Um, <laughs> I'm looking at it right now. I, I'm pulling okay, up a quick. Okay. I can describe it as they are just a bunch of very, very funny, cute little shorts. Each episode is about three minutes. Uh huh. And it's made with these like, um, these like, uh, what, what would you call it? The, 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 what's the technique called where you like have a pin and you, and you, you make a little, like a felt, it's called felt pin or felt. Oh, um, oh God. Um, I know what you're talking about. They're but really I don't know fluffy the name of little it. guys. They're fluffy little guys, and they're like hamsters, but they are also cars. So imagine, if you will, Lightning McQueen. No, that's not helping. It's, a it's <laughs> no. A we're going into old cars wounds. I'm, I'm yeah. thinking Hamtaro when I look at this. It's just all the hamsters have wheels. Oh, Hamtaro, man! They have wheels. They don't use them as wheels. They use them as little feet. But they walk around on the road. So it looks like there's a lot of traffic, but it's just a lot of hamsters. And they have these little little uh, windscreens. Uh-huh. Every now and again, the camera will zoom through the windscreen and you'll see like a real human inside. And you're real. Oh, wow. Real, they, they, are, they are like the vehicles in this world. It's very nonsensical. It's very funny. It goes some very unexpected places to give you an idea of how unexpected it gets it starts off with there being a the first episode's about traffic jam oh 
by episode four, you're dealing with um, zombie invasions and um, the, the, the hamsters becoming zombies. <laughs> it's just a bunch this of sounds absolutely crazy, amazing. Crazy sketches. You know, they, um, their owners feed them bits of lettuce <laughs> that they eat whilst, the, the, you know, the humans jump out of the... And, and their little... Um, when they're interior shots of people in the cars, it's sort of done in this sort of like stop motion style, but with real people. So it's like oh, wow. tricky movements. And then when, when it cuts wide and they jump out, they're these little like um, like architectural uh, figurines, like sort of. Oh my god! Uh, yeah, I'm looking at that right now. Oh my kind god! Of, um, a bit like um, um, Panic of Village. What's it called? The Town Called Panic. Oh. Um, that kind of style animation. Um, it's very silly. It's it's exactly perfect for me for like lockdown viewing, where like I don't necessarily want to um, invest in even twenty minutes sometimes of a TV show, let alone half, you know, let alone um, half an hour or an hour. Um, very nice bite sized viewing. It always cheers me up to watch it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah i i it, it, i'm looking at clips at it right now here on my computer and oh my god this seems like such food for the soul i cannot wait to watch it yeah it's it's hilarious um so city ghosts I, like, i'm just making a list of all the recommendations recommendations so city ghosts Pui Pui mall car um and then what was the make sure the the, the show that you were watching at Evan, that was final final space. Final space, yeah. Final All space, of them are okay. On in the UK, wow, this is real Netflix. <laughs> yeah, like this is this, oh, a bunch of Netflix stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, actually, I can finish on. Uh, I, I um, my my last suggestion is a show on Amazon Prime. Actually, oh, cool. Um, that I think Chris has written about on the site. Um, called Invincible. Mm-hmm. Um, which is um, a new animated superhero show um, uh, written by uh, uh, Robert Kirkman and uh, uh, and is based on a book by him and, and Corey Walker um, mm-hmm. That I read, like, I think I started reading it some, I, I mean, it feels like 10 years ago to me. I, I'd have to check exactly when it started. But um, anyway, um, uh, it's a very interesting take on the superhero narrative um, mm. and the idea of how much of the imagery of superheroes is uh, posturing and it gets into issues of fascism and things. Oh wow! Like it's it's a it's a mature show. It's um, I think it was rated eighteen when I watched it in the UK. Mm. Very oh, violent, God. swearing, all the rest of it, you know. Um, but I think it's actually a good story. It's not all of that gratuitous stuff because we talk about it sometimes with adult animation where it goes, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it's it's like. Um, uh, you know, baby's first uh, night out at the bar kind of thing, where it's like, 
oh my god, I can drink, so let's drink to excess. Like it sometimes adult animation does that with like you know violence and language and sexual yeah and it can end up seeming a bit juvenile Mm -hmm. i think invincible um isn't that um what's interesting i think for as an animated show as an adaptation of comics is that it is an hour long each Mm. episode which i don't think I, i i've never seen it before um and in terms of pacing it's a very new um, feeling watching an animated thing, which is paced so uh, deliberately. Um, but the but it still has like full like action scenes, and um, I mean the ending of episode one is. If you don't want to watch episode two, then you won't like it. But if you do want to watch episode mm-hmm. two after watching episode one, you won't be disappointed because um, it's amazing. Um, yeah, so uh, I recommend that, and it will be interesting. Okay. I think it's been released weekly on Amazon. Maybe they have like two or three episodes, you know, as part of like the premiere week that they've Yeah. Because it started on Friday, I think. Okay. Um, yeah, and it's got like the most incredible voice cast. Uh, just, to you, just to give you an idea, we've got Stephen Yun, who's the main character. All right. Uh, you know, Oscar nominee uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Stephen Yeun. Yep. Um, Sandra O, oh, J.K. Simmons. Um, Mark Hamill's in the first episode. Oh, yes. Gillian uh, Jacobs, Gillian uh, Jacobs, and Zachary uh, Quinto or Quinto. Oh my God! Yeah. Um, and Jason Manzukas, which is a big one for me. Walton Goggins, you know, Seth Rogen, because I think he produced it. Um, uh, Damn. Yeah, like uh, John Hamm's in it. I said, uh, Clancy, yeah, Clancy Brown's in it. Andrew Reynolds. Oh, wonderful. Um, but Mahershala That's Ali. Our team, yeah. Like, yeah, like an incredible... Uh, 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 and Justin Roiland's voice. Um, yeah, so like... An amazing cast. Um, like, like I said, it's very interesting watching a, a, a long form animated show because of how um, some scenes are, uh, you know, as a necessity, somewhat more static. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think, you know, if you're used to watching anime, you can handle that kind of thing mm-hmm. because, because they make up for it when it comes to like fight scenes and things. Oh wow! Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely. Let's put it this way: when the comics were first thing, I personally didn't have superhero fatigue. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would say if you do have superhero fatigue, I get it. I don't blame you. There's mm-hmm. a lot. Um, but I do recommend giving this a chance because it's a little bit like. You know, I mean, I'd probably put it in somewhere closer to like something like the boys. Oh, okay. The series, um, even though actually it came way before the boys and everything that the boys did, Invincible kind of got there first when it came to unmasking superheroes, if you want to call it that. Yeah, um, yeah, I gotcha. Basically, the premise is. Um, 
you know, speaking in general terms, the main character, his dad is Superman. Not actually Superman, but, you know, basically Superman. Like Superman um, slash All Might from, from My Hero Academia. It's like the big it, hero. The big guy. The big American mustachioed, you know, <laughs> Captain America. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and then uh, he's, you know, the main character comes of age and he understands that because of his bloodline, he's probably going to develop these powers because his dad is an alien and his mom's human. So, you know, if, you know, if your dad's a Superman and your mom's uh, a human, then it stands to reason that you might inherit some of these superpowers. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he does, and it shows the struggles of that, and we've seen that before. Um, what we probably haven't seen before is... Uh, the world of the the the, uh, the conflicts that he enters when he starts assuming the superhero mantle, and he has um, a lot of very pure ideas about what super, being a superhero would mean mm-hmm. and responsibility, and it butts up against, let's say, yeah, like I said, fascism and bureaucracy and all of these adult themes that would actually probably be there if superheroes were real. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, like I said, I've only seen the first episode, but, uh, you know, I, I think it's going to be good because I like the comic series a lot. Fair enough. That's that's a great recommendation too. Um, I'm like, yeah, because it's like, it's funny because you're, you're talking about that, and especially when it comes to the superhero fatigue. And, you know, I thought I would have had it at this point considering how much all the superhero media I've consumed, but I'm still waiting for the next season of My Hero Academia <laughs> with, especially since I've been reading that comic like nonstop and getting to see where all the interesting things that's going and uh, is soon to wrap up at some point in the near future. Um, so this kind of fe- this kind of feels like, uh, you know, a, like you said, still the same topic of, you know, a superhuman society or superheroes in a society um, and the struggles that comes with it. But it looks like it's willing to explore more interesting, at least more complicated themes than, uh, things like my hero, my academia has uh, tried attempted to do, and it, that it kind is of very thing. purposefully. It's an image comic, so mm-hmm. it's very purposefully playing around with parody. Mm-hmm. Um, but because it's parody and it's not a DC or a Marvel title, it really goes with jocular when it comes to examining what these icons have kind of become. Mm-hmm. You know, like I personally, one of the things that I find quite disturbing to think about is the extent to which there is supposed uh, um, funding and uh, like you know a certain amount of say um, that the US military has with Marvel movies mm-hmm. um, that I think has been uh, a criticism of Falcon and the Winter Soldier and it was definitely pretty obvious to me watching uh, Captain Marvel Um and rather than, you know, that being the elephant in the room and not dealing with it, Invincible is able to go for it. And yeah. That's cool. I like that. I, I like <laughs> it the fact that even as we've gotten so much, you know, material, material and media surrounding the whole idea of superheroes being in a world, like you've got different, you've got different uh, shows, movies, et cetera, tackling different ideas. And that yeah. in a small way is keeping us something that's been going on for years now still fresh in a way which i find fascinating so thank you for the recommendation 
<laughs> well, I think we're probably pushing about two hours. And I think unless there's anything, Evan, there's anything wow. else you want to share before we peace out for the, for today? No, unfortunately not. I'm sorry. I didn't talk as much. Um, but, uh, outside of final space, I, I haven't really, uh, I haven't really, I don't know. My, my viewing is, is not quite what it, what it's been. You just went through a huge school. change though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You've been going through enough and I to be honest with you. Um, the only reason I have had so much to say is because it's really only in the last couple of weeks that I've wanted to do anything other than play Zelda games and listen to podcasts and not really watch TV because mm -hmm. I was in a delicate space and I didn't want to watch anyone <laughs> dealing with anything serious. Yeah. Um, of course. Even, even if it was a, you know, a TV show um, or, or a movie or something, I, I knew I was just like, I, I kept telling myself I'm in a delicate mindset. I don't really want to watch anything that's too heavy. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you know, and and uh, what's more, like it's uh, I I never really I never really um, uh, related last year when everyone was saying like oh god I'm binging so much stuff it's like one because I was working I didn't necessarily have you know free time yeah but also. Yeah, for me, like that can be really exhausting, and it's not necessarily, you know, it's something I want to be careful doing because I will, I like to pay attention when I'm watching something. Yeah, I don't often watch mm -hmm. many things where they're just on in the background, mm -hmm. or like, oh, I'm in the room and this thing's on, and I'm on my phone half the time. I really try to, if I'm watching a TV show, not look at my phone, and um, yeah, you know, as a as a constant second screen. Um, and, you know, because of that, like, I've been watching things in chunks as well, you know, and that's why, I mean, that's why something like the Molecar series, I think, is great, because it's like, yeah. like, three minutes, take a little leave, you can watch the next one, or you can go and do something else, but that mm -hmm. was a nice little bit of eye candy yeah. and a, a diversion. Um, but I mean, like, even Raya today, like, I watched that, but I watched it, like, I paused it like four times because I got snacks and things like that. And yeah, yeah. You yeah. Know, it's um my attention span just isn't what it used to be. <laughs> well, no, I, I I mean it's probably not an attention span thing. It's just uh it sounds like it's fatigue. And I, I completely respect the the attitude you have about I guess the viewing experience, Dan. Uh I kind of mm -hmm. feel the same way in a sense. Like I I can't tell you how many times it's like late at night. And I've seen all these cool titles I could watch and just being like, oh, well, it's 90 minutes and I should probably be paying attention because this looks like something that, you know, is is worth paying attention to. Something that's artistic, mm -hmm. has some sort of deep message. So instead of doing that, I watch something shorter and baser. Like, mm -hmm. fun funnily enough. Also, like the the way that I find is best to pay attention to a thing and really pay attention to it is watch it on my phone because I don't have an iPad, I don't have a secondary screen other than my phone to get distracted by them. So I'll watch like I, I quite often now like watch movies in bed, uh, and I've been watching rewatching like Better Call Saul in bed, and I'm watching it 
and I'm watching it. I'm not like doing other things. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, I have like odd little spurts where like, you know, I'll watch a movie late at night on my phone when I can't sleep. And it's not exactly like a, a regular viewing habit or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Anyway, guys, it's been great um, checking in with you. Uh, yeah. With you both. And hearing, Likewise. You know, a little bit about like, you know, what has been keeping you guys uh, a bit occupied. And um, I mean, I, you know, this isn't a therapy podcast or anything like that. But <laughs> it's, so, it's, it's, it's sometimes it feels like I, I, I wonder about like how much we should be paying attention to or ignoring the fact that like no one is quite right right now mm-hmm. because it's almost like the, the, the way I've been thinking of it actually since last year is we are going to be changed and perhaps damaged in some ways that we are not yet ready to uh, deal with or we even actually be able to, to recognize mm-hmm. um, so you know like I was saying like I'm I'm forgiving of all my viewing habits right now. I'm not, you know, being um, working in animation and, you know, being an animation fan, you feel like it's an obligation to, oh, keep up with things. Like, oh, keep up with that show. Go catch up with that. I've just thrown all of that stuff away and it's been like, wait, if I have time and I genuinely have the inclination to want to watch something, I will. Um, I won't do it as a chore because yeah. I, I have enough on my mind at the moment. Um, mm-hmm. you know I know I mean like outside of you know like my job and like other problems I just mean like I don't have the headspace to deal with sometimes even watching things well yeah because especially like when you say like you have like when you when you say it's like oh you have an obligation to keep up with certain things like yeah you said that's just turning it into a chore as opposed to something that you can genuinely do to unwind which is yeah, I, I'm, I'm, um, I'm approaching my, my own kind mm-hmm. of like things, my own like stress relief in a similar fashion. We're just like, okay, I have all these different games. I haven't beaten any of them necessarily. Right. Like I haven't right. beaten Hades. I haven't beaten any of the other games that I necessarily have, you know, maybe purchased a discount through the course of this pandemic because God dang it, they put a lot of games on discount and just like, hmm, yeah, yeah. that, and I'll get that and I'll get that. And some I haven't started, some I haven't, you know, I've, I've only gotten like a first quarter way through and I haven't even completed, but you know what? I'm just going to play or do whatever I'm in the mood for when the yeah. day is done. Cause I feel like that's something that we really feel like you said, we need to, is, is really what we need to prioritize right now. Like there's just because someone's like, Oh, did you watch the latest episode of da 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 or da da da? It's like, no, but I'll get to it when I'm going to get to it. Absolutely. And yeah, I'm, I'm yeah. absolutely looking at it like that in those terms, like, well, yeah, I have all this extra time where I'm not, you know, doing whatever I usually, I usually do in my life. Um, am I going to feel guilty about not catching up with like, uh, you know, uh, cinema masterwork films that I haven't ever seen before? Mm-hmm. when I can just watch some creepy Molkar and actually genuinely feel happier and cheered up. Um, <laughs> the latter, in my opinion, the latter is far more important. It's far, that is far more important. That's, that's yeah. really why it we're is. supposed to go to these things in the first place because, you know, 
just film and media in, in general. It's like, okay, this is here to entertain us. We are not obligated to watch things, certain things and, and hope we get entertained. We should watch things that we are, we know are going to entertain us depart, depending on where we find ourselves at that given time. Sometimes stuff that we normally would find entertaining, you know, maybe before the pandemic, maybe we look at it now. It's like, well, I do still enjoy that, but I'm not in the mood to watch it right now. You know? Yeah. 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 That's, that's something, you know, a little, little bit of wisdom that, you know, we've, but we've all been having to deal with and hopefully if it helps, you know, make someone else's life a little bit better, you know, take it or leave it. But uh, yeah, it's, like you said earlier in the beginning of the podcast, Dan, like this is, um, you know, having to uh, be because of this, you know, many things are changing over the course of this past year. But I think that's it's kind of fascinating how in terms of how we're consuming these kind of the different media, whether it's animation, whether it's films, TV, video games, et cetera, how that's changing over the course of this year. Especially when it's, you know, helping us, you know, get through each day as it comes and uh, keep moving toward what, what the future is going to look like. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think we'd all agree that um, depending on what you're watching, you know, film can be edifying. Um, It can also entertain and, you know, pre COVID we'd probably be just as willing to watch film that edifies um, as much as we were willing to watch film that entertains. Mm-hmm. But now it seems like people are, and, you know, I'm, I'm being a bit presumptive because I can only, you know, kind of speak to my own experience. Um, mm-hmm. But it seems like we're turning to media increasingly more just for that release. Mm-hmm. Um, and in a lot of the, the studios and um, networks seem to be picking up on that too. Like um, sci-fi's uh, new animation block, TZGZ, like their entire <laughs> slate, it is just all short form, animated comedy and that's oh, wow and oddly enough half of the shows have this apocalyptic premise to it so you talk <laughs> about coping with COVID. i mean like that is that is an excellent case study right there wow uh, yeah just to echo what you guys said hopefully when everything's over we can kind of um i guess reapproach cinema um in a more i don't want to say mature way um, but kind of like re- reclaim that that kind of more like um, like critical attitude um, mm-hmm. that a lot of us probably lost um, during the pandemic. I don't know well, if that makes sense. I'm, no, it makes a hundred percent sense, and I'm I'm curious to I'm curious to see because in the next uh, the next couple of days, at least here in the U.S., um, a, a certain movie I've been anticipating for a little while now. We mentioned I think a couple of podcast episodes ago, uh, Godzilla versus Kong is getting released in theaters. And yeah. I'm like, hmm, <laughs> do I want to, now that I've gotten vaccinated, do I want to actually go into the theater and watch this? Since it's like my local movie theater is finally opening up again this past weekend. And I'm like, hmm, do I make that? Is it time for me to make that leap and re-embrace this, you know, going to the movies uh, in person again? And I, I hope to maybe take that plunge within the next week or so. So I will... If I do, I will make sure to uh, to probably add my two cents on that in the future so, in our future episode. So jealous. Unfortunately, <laughs> or, not, or, or not, I don't have the choice right now. Uh, oh, I'm so it's sorry. Only, it's only going to be a VOD thing here, even though there is the perfect cinema around the corner for me for like social distancing and 
you know, like, I felt happier going there. I watched Titanic there a couple months ago. Oh, wow. And, like, I was happier doing that than I've ever been, like, going to the supermarket (laughs) during COVID. (laughs) There you go. Happier and safer. So, like, it's all relative. But, hey, uh, yeah, man, I, I, I I want to see the lizard and the ape. Like, go at it yeah it's gonna be cathartic. yeah i like that's like the one of the perfect movies we could be having coming back at like okay we're, think, we're testing the waters for the theater for the for the big theater screens to be opening up again like okay let's just get the big old title match mm-hmm. title mm-hmm. match movie there's something gonna be there's gonna i think there's something very cathartic about a lot of chaos as well for christmas i watched the gremlins movies and i was like <laughs> classic this, this release is just so truly cathartic to watch a bunch of chaos happen and it not makes sense and that kind of be the point but the gremlins enjoy themselves so much <laughs> it's kind of joyous as well <laughs> so like um yeah i could i could do with a bunch of those um big dumb movies yeah i'm i'm, I'm looking forward to it i think that's probably <clears> just going to be my mentality for like the next couple weeks until I until that until that's run its course but yeah sometimes you just need a giant lizard and a giant monkey beating the crap out of each other to entertain <laughs> like it's like that cathartic that cathartic feeling you said it I can't think of a better better note to end on all right well if you've been hanging out with us, thank you very much for listening to this episode of the AFA podcast. As always, check out our various forms of social media, Twitter, Facebook at AFA blog, um, as well as Instagram, Pinterest, and Tumblr. Um, and if you have any particular opinion on any particular topics you would like us to uh, maybe consider for the future, please uh, go ahead and take a look at our Patreon page, support us, and then we'll make sure to look at your suggestions and definitely uh, take that into account. We're always looking for tips on stuff that you think the you know we that you guys are curious to have us discuss and um yeah i think that just about i'm gonna make sure we have our own uh cover our different social medias uh dan where can we find you on social media you know what i think i've done this enough times to just say i am on twitter i don't have a good feed you know you can <laughs> find me you want to that's that's it <laughs> That's fine. I'm, I know. I'm not gonna Twi- Twitter's it, Twitter's become like I I I've basically. I mean, my Twitter account still exists, but I've kind of more or less divor- like divorced from Twitter over the last mm-hmm. year. So mm-hmm. it's yeah, I, I feel yeah. Um, uh, Evan, any recommendations where people want to see what you're up to? If you're you care to share that at all, I don't know. I'm kind of a social media ghost. I've got Facebook yep. and LinkedIn. That's a good one. I like that one. Um, I would say at the time being, if you're looking to find me on social media, I am probably my most active on Instagram at the moment because that's where I post all my pictures of my cute cat, Steven, as well as uh, some of the initial trial runs I've been having with uh, practicing the principles of animation and kind of uh, sharing those experiences because that's, it's, it's been a wild ride so far, but I want to, I want to get better at this thing. And cause it's, it's just, the act of doing it has been so therapeutic for me on top of the video game and the animation watching that we've been doing over the past year. So uh, yeah, if you're curious to see uh, my, my animation progress, my anim- animation test progress. Yeah. Check out my Instagram at, uh, at fail to ninja. You'll, you'll see uh, my posting of my assignments there. So yeah, everyone take care of yourselves, stay safe. Um, and 
we shall see you on the next episode of the AFA podcast. Take care out there. Breaking news from migraine sufferer Whoopi Goldberg about Nurtec ODT Remegipant 75 milligrams. I got big news. Now Nurtec ODT is the first and only medication proven to treat and prevent migraines. This is big time. Don't take if allergic to Nurtec ODT. The most common side effects were nausea, stomach pain, and indigestion. For important safety information, prescribing information, and patient information, visit Nurtec.com. Ask your doctor about Nurtec today. Nurtec, baby.